Hi, I'm Dee Dee Bass Wilbon. And I'm Dina Bass Williams, and we are the Bass Sisters. And this is season four of Policy and Pound Cake. Policy and Pound Cake, as many of you know, began as a series of communications roundtables that we were going to host in person. The first one was to happen on March 17th, 2020. You know what happened in March of 2020. We got shut down and locked in. Well, we are going back to our roots and we can think of no better way than to start season four with a master communicator, Armstrong Williams. Take a listen. So hello and full disclosure to our audience. We are so excited to have our guest today. He is a mentor. Dean and I consider him a dear friend and we are so blessed by his wise counsel and extremely tough love even when we don't want it all the time. <laughs> but um, Armstrong, you are a serial entrepreneur. You are a writer. You are a media mogul, world traveler. But after today, you will be able to add policy and pound cake <laughs> guests to that long list of accomplishments. That is just absolutely wonderful, don't you think? Anytime I am with the um, Bass Sisters and Pound Cake, um, and the impact in the lives that you all so richly touch and enhance. I'm always honored to be on your platform. And that is just, that's just a fact. I have much respect for you and your family and what you continue to accomplish in this country and how much you love this country. Well, thank you well, so much. Thank you. We appreciate that. And we're actually going to get started here with a clip. Um, so let's take a listen. The Twitter files confirmed that Republicans were right. Twitter employees colluded with Democrats and the FBI to censor the New York Post story on Hunter Biden's laptop and interfered with the 2020 election. It's just, you cannot refute it. Twitter employees suspended, banned, or censored users who commented or posted on Biden's laptop. Twitter had acted under orders from the government. Top lawyers of Twitter legal team had direct contact with an FBI agent and the agent was asked, was used these lawyers to tweet links to the Hunter Biden laptop. And the current government decided to take away the first amendment rights from individual Americans to take away their Twitter and their Facebook platforms. The Twitter files showed that on at least one occasion, the Biden team instructed employees to remove politically inconvenient content in October 2020, just because just before Biden was elected president of the United States. Twitter employees felt that they were acting as an online KGB censoring everyday Americans, shutting them down, intimidating them and threatening them with being removed. I'm Armstrong Williams, and these are the facts. These are the facts. Okay, so Armstrong, we all saw the firestorm when Elon Musk took over Twitter. He became very transparent, released what has become known as the Twitter files, um, showing collaboration or at least coordination of some sort between the Biden administration. But, um, but do you even think that Americans know about the coordination? Like, do you, like, and, and, and if they, no, why are they so outraged about it? Like, are they even aware of the coordination? Well, Armstrong, do you think that Americans are aware that there was actual coordination between Twitter and and the Biden administration? And why isn't mainstream media covering it? It didn't make a big splash. Well, obviously, 
for mainstream media to cover it, it would be an, an indictment of the fourth estate. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason why the Biden administration can use these tech giants to censor and shut down, particularly conversation about the pandemic, COVID-19, so there's only one side is presented so they can continue their herd mentality, their indoctrination and controlling of people is that the media gives them a pass. Once the media decides that it's no longer a neutral arbiter, that it's no longer a referee, but it decides to be an activist in the game with the Biden administration, they lose their credibility and they lose their standing. And while the American people can't necessarily put their finger on it, why if they can obviously see something that is so obvious and why the media, what they choose to ignore, once these Twitter files are released by Elon Musk, they have this aha moment. And what it does, it further erodes the trust in the fourth estate. People don't, they turn off the media. They don't know what they believe anymore. And it gives credibility to these social media platforms that are hardly investigated, hardly have to live up to the same standards that somebody that they own major daily newspapers or broadcast television. So the media has really shirked its responsibility uh, and have become activists instead of journalists. You made an interesting point that um, newspapers, you as a, as a media owner, you have a different responsibility than Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even Pinterest, you know, TikTok owned <laughs> by China. Um, do you think Twit, um, social media platforms should be regulated like news outlets? Yes, and that's what um, the FCC Title 203 is about before the FCC and before Congress. I think what it boils down to, Dina, 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 is that as a practical matter, you should embody virtues where there should be compassion, but you must have the honesty, the prudence, the temperance, the temperance and the outrage, especially over what we saw uh, with the Biden administration and how many people were so censored. Um, and so, and then you ask ourselves in our public and private lives, is there a significant contrast and counterpoint to the shrill virtue signaling that has become all the rage among woke Americans? I mean, listen, if, 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 if the bottom line is that people have to understand what people care about. They don't really care about what you call yourself as a media platform. They don't really care about whether you're Republican or Democrat. They care about the values that they believe are traditional to the way of a life for Americans. And that gives their children a chance, not only at the American dream, but America still being a safe haven. And so what happens is, is when you reduce yourself to a party label, you believe that you must champion that party ideas, whether it's in the best interest of the country or not. And what people care about is whether you're honest, whether you're factual, whether I can trust you, whether you have credibility. And once you lose that, uh, it's sort of, you begin to lose the fabric of what a society is. No different than what happened with former President Trump and Mario Lago and the declassified information. Now we find out while they were raiding Mario Lago, Biden in his former office as VP had the same classified document in an office that was being paid for by the Chinese. What does it do? It brings into question America's first family and how deeply those ties are, especially when you're spending $54 million and paying the president a salary of $1 million, and that salary is tied to Chinese funding. The question is, 
whether or not the Chinese who was paying this kind of money had access to that kind of information, whether they were accessing that declassified information. And what Biden does, he either has a senile moment, a lion moment, uh, it's one or the other. He's either senile or he's lying. There's no in-between. And the American people realize this. And so while they may be telling the truth about about Trump and Mar-a-Lago, it may be factual, but when you have one standard for Trump and another standard for Biden, you become unbelievable and people don't trust you and they see just the obvious hypocrisy of the reporting. I'm sure what Dean and I call that is selective Selective. outrage. And selective outrage and cancel culture, it's really very, very important to us as communicators and especially as conservative communicators. Mm And and so when when we were talking about Elon Musk and we we talked about this the other day when Elon Musk when he decided to purchase Twitter mm-hmm. and, and and the Hollywood elitists decided that they were not going to to stay on Twitter because they didn't like how he was doing things or the changes that he was making and in my opinion he was somewhat being canceled by that group because of his beliefs in and his desire for transparency, whether right. you like him or not, whether you like him or not, to be transparent. But they wanted to just, in our, in, in, in a sense, cancel him. As a media person, how have you, or have you ever had to deal with cancel culture? You know, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves, Didi and Dina, is: Is it did we need fact checkers mm-hmm. and cancel culture to end the thousand-year idea that slavery was natural? as Aristotle once said. Mm. And did we need fact checkers and all the things that we have today to guide our father and father's hand in writing our constitution? No, what we needed was the natural. What do I mean by that? Unfiltered flow of ideas from one person to another. Mm-hmm. In the past, those free flow of ideas was at full throttle. They were. And so rational thought spread like wildfire without the need of, need of social media. And, and, and so irrational thought died with the few patrons who consumed it. So the world was changed by the thoughts of a few ordinary people who dared to think. You dared to think. And of course, people disagreed and some even became violent, but a person's right, in my opinion, to open their lips and and unleash volumes of unique ideas upon their neighbors should never, ever, ever be stifled by vitriol that their thoughts could create. And the other thing too is, today, the problem is, in my opinion, speech is reserved for the powerful few, okay? The celebrities, the social media companies, and the traditional media companies. Any thought, Dina and Didi, that deviates from their message is met with what? Swift, unrelenting punishment, not known as cancellation. This is what cancel, cancel culture is. And too often, we hear of individuals having their lives destroyed. Look at Mike Lindell. Look at Donald Trump. Look mm-hmm. at others who are conservative. Seemingly innocuous acts that can hardly be said to be representative of them. But atop a throne, it is easy to step on ants. Each day, in my opinion, brings new ants for the powerful few to step on. And they see us as ants. The enemy of yesterday become old news, forgotten and thrown into the grave of unwanted souls. And so what happened? And a new target is found for them to take aim, fire, and destroy. There's a new target every day. Elon Musk was their target. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump was their target. 
Kevin McCarthy is now their target. Anybody who's conservative, um, Diamond and Silk were their targets. Yes, Diamond and Silk. We we remember the soul of Lynette Hardaway, but they were their target. And so labels make it easy to destroy people. That is the problem. They shift burdens of proof to the party being labeled. And the party being labeled are conservatives. And so they make it impossible to wipe away the label one is given. And so that's the culture and that's the atmosphere that we find ourselves in today. One, we have, we're about to wrap up, but I'm remembering um, something that you actually said about media when we were at our, our a conference that we host, mm -hmm. Ambassador Book Affairs host. Uh, you, you mentioned free, what did he say? Free speech. Free, I think it was free speech is not free if, if you, you don't own it. If you don't own the media. If you don't own the media. What do you mean? T tell us about that. What does that mean to you? Well, what, is, what does it mean to own something? Right. Beyond definitions or even illustrations. I'm talking about the responsibility and the accountability that comes with owning something and owning something of intrinsic worth. I mean, how does that make a person feel? Uh, imagine the sheer sense of satisfaction, achievement, and stewardship that envelops you when a valuable asset becomes your property, like pound cake. That's your property. Your home. That's your property. Yet yours to create and to contribute, yours to develop or destroy. While ownership has its benefits, it also has its burdens. You know what the burdens are. You got to make those ends meet. You got to make money. Your clients must pay. You understand that. So seven years ago, I well, 17, 14, 15 years ago, I seized on the opportunity, which offered me the chance to own television stations across this great country. And I can tell you that experience, which I still am living today through more acquisitions, has transformed my life in a very dramatic way. Mm -hmm. I first tasted the thrill, the, and it's a thrill of communication and public life as you did at an early age. And the experience of owning ownership makes you more responsible, more accountable, not more controlling, not more manipulative, because you realize it's a gift from God. Nothing mm -hmm. that we own will last forever. And when you see it as a spiritual gift, which you must share, you must have to have honor, you must have credibility, you must have integrity, and you cannot use it as a weapon. And what people do, as they did with slavery, as they did with the Holocaust, as criminals do with crime, they use it as a weapon. They weaponize it to destroy people, to destroy institutions, and to destroy livelihoods. And so ownership to me is a gift for God. And when it comes from God, I must act in a responsible, moral way because if I, because all those people I corrupted along the way, when I have to give an account for the deeds done in my body when I die, I am responsible. People can disregard the consequences of their ownership depending on what and whom they believe in. Because my faith is something greater than myself. I am accountable to the laws of God, natural law, not the laws of man. And so therefore, I am held to a standard that um, spiritually, I work hard every day because I find the hardest work I do every day, Didi and Dina, is when I work on myself 24 hours a day. And mm -hmm. literally, when I work on myself 24 hours a day, I realize the communication world that I own improves and the people that work for me automatically improve. We so busy working on somebody else that we forget to work on our own house. So when I say there's no such thing as freedom of speech unless you own the media, and that is because of the gift 
that has been given me as this gift of ownership. And so Americans should welcome this change um, and major television networks and people of us who are in the media who have the ability to influence people should not take that lightly because I mean, ownership is a powerful virtue. One that should flow down sort of like the waters of freedom and opportunity in this great, great republic. And what I try to do is embrace these trends, celebrate the gift, and leave the criticism aside and do what is morally correct. And when I fall short, apologize for it, not make excuses for it, but right. work on myself being a better broadcast owner every day. Armstrong, you know that we absolutely value you. We you know, appreciate everything that you do and you do so much for so many. You have, you are, when you talk about working on yourself, we know that you get up oh dark 30, <laughs> super early in the morning. So your day starts extremely early. But before we wrap up, I do have two really quick questions. You are also, you're an avid reader. You are an art collector. When you are just, which is probably not often, but when you are just chilling out and just on, you know, doing your calm down time, what is one of the, what, what, what do you like to read? What type of books do you read? Uh, you know, I love um, reading books that feed my soul because there's nothing new under the sun. When you lead, read Marcus Aurelius, or you read Frederick Douglass, or if you read Sir General Truth, or even if you lead, read Augustus Caesar or Abraham Lincoln, um, what is, one of the common themes is morality, that there's nothing new under the sun. Whatever you pour in your life, whatever you put into it is exactly what you're gonna get out of it. And one of the things that all these great men and women had in common is that they realized that their lives belong to God and not to man. They had a moral responsibility to be good and pass that good on to others because it's the good that will be remembered uh, when it's all said and done. Because, because remember, when we close our eyes, we take our last breath on earth and our first breath into heaven or either purgatory. And so what really matters in life is what you do for the least among us, but have you left the world better than you found it? So reading the great classics, and also uh, on the phone with just with my brothers and sisters, reminiscing about our childhood, which reminds us who we are and why we are and what our parents poured into us. And I realized that the greatest gift God ever gave me was being born with the right mother and the right father, because I just don't see the blessings of the values and God's words, which are etched on my heart and myself. I see it through the success of my brothers and sisters. It's not an anomaly. It's not just one. It just shows you the, the power that parents can have on their children for generations to come. And that's what's lost, particularly with fathers not being in a household, telling young men what it means to be a man and young women what to look for in a man. And I think the greatest devastation for our society now, and you can see it in the classroom, men are no longer in the classroom. And these kids don't really respect the authority in the classroom. Until we get fathers and build the families back, because the teachers can't do it, law enforcement can't do it, parents must get back to the responsibility, which is why I, I admire you and your husband so much, because your most important job you do as a mother to your son and to your daughter. Amen, amen. Final right. question, final question. We, you know, we love pound cake. That's our go-to dessert with a cup of coffee or something else to drink. What is your go-to dessert when you're with your family on one of your nice trips? No, what is your go-to dessert when you're talking policy? Policy. Policy, policy and politics. You know what? I'll tell you something. 
I love myself some peach cobbler and some ice cream. <laughs> I can see you as a peach cobbler. Okay. Okay. Uh, some vanilla ice cream. And Lord knows I don't need it. But I want to tell you, my mama used to cook a mean peach cobbler. And I can still taste it. I can still. So, yeah, my go-to sweet is that peach cobbler and vanilla ice cream on top. Well, Armstrong, this has been so fun. We really do appreciate it. We thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you, Armstrong. Thank, thank you. you so much. All right. Bye-bye now. Wish you the best. That was fun. It was. I enjoy talking to Armstrong and listening to him share his wisdom with us all yes. the time. And he is um, in the trenches. He's a media mm -hmm. owner. He is a communicator. So yes. he definitely understands the importance of free speech and freedom of the press and all that kind of stuff. It's always important to hear from people like him. Um, we have known him for years and he yeah. has been both a mentor and a sponsor for us. And yes. we love that counsel from our mom. She talks about the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. A mentor is someone who gives you, it is in our book. A mentor is someone who gives you wise counsel, which we need, but a sponsor is someone who's going to open the door and say, Hey, hire these people, hire the Bass sisters. And he, and he's been both. He's been both. But please like, share and follow Policy and Pound Cake. Stay with us for season four. It's going to be awesome. All about communications.